When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And listen, listen, I saw that when I first got in the league and got scared and had nightmares about that damn hook shot. But you want to know something, Coop? What's that? He, he didn't learn to shoot the left hand until he played against me. The Showtime Podcast with Michael Cooper is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Welcome, listeners, to Showtime with Coop. I'm going to just get right to him. Uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Rick Mahorn. Rick, how you doing? I'm doing great, Coop. But hearing that man, myth, and legend stuff, I'm like, is this the same Michael Cooper that wanted to fight me during the playoffs or we still got animosity? But I love it because I love the competitive edge that you had and you going to a small, a small D1 school and me going to a Division II school, I, I have nothing but respect for you. Well, uh, really, I don't like you, Rick. I think we just have respect for each other because I still have <laughs> memories of us fighting. And, yes, I was going to fight you, but we'll get all into that later. But, again, we want to thank you for uh, <laughs> the show, man. Uh, your family, everybody. <laughs> everybody could. <laughs> <laughs> Rick, you my boy, AP. Coop makes me laugh because it's like, when we first, when we were doing the, the big three, it was like, okay, I got to talk. Or when we were doing the WNBA, I uh, got to talk to Coop. And it was like, you know me, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like a happy-go-lucky type guy. But I'll tell you something. When, when Coop would see me, Lambeer and myself, and he would go like, oh, I can't stand them guys. But it was it was fun to me because it was like, shoot, that's – that's, I left that on the court. I didn't care about what we were doing after we played. It was It's fun because I talked to Coop and also talked to some Celtics, and it's like, you know what? We, we're building blocks of this NBA, and that was fun. It's all fun, man. Uh, the social media aspect of it, everything. I remember, I remember growing up, and I'm not speaking for Coop, but I remember going to playing in the rec leagues. And, and you know, you, you, don't, you didn't know anybody in the rec league from another neighborhood. You know, we, we always competed because my neighborhood versus your neighborhood, it wasn't where you can have the option of going to different high schools. You, if you're in one district, you had to play in that district. Now it's more like uh, it's open. You can go anywhere you want as long as you have transportation to get to and from. If you went to a private school, it wasn't like the bus was going to pick you up. You had to get there on your own. And, and those things right now has – festered into this AAU, when you stopped giving uh, young people a chance to go play in a rec league, to keep them off the streets, those are the things that, you know, you value more now than the social media part where these guys are playing in this AAU kind of circuit and they end up playing, you know, playing together, seeing them together. And that's, you can see some animosity where you got guys like uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo and people like Russell Westbrook, where it's just genuine I don't care about none of y'all. I want to kill you. (laughs) 
Rick, who was who was your nemesis, Rick, growing up in the neighborhood? Who was the guy that uh, made life hard for you? There was this guy named Raymond Lewis out here in Los Angeles for me. He was a guard. Just the guy that was just a phenom. Who was that for you? You know, too, girl, for me, I didn't, in high school, I didn't start playing basketball until my last year in high school. Mine was football. I didn't like, I didn't like this Hartford public team. And they always had this guy named Willie Poo, Willie Poo who was uh, about 6'3", about 2'10", 220. And I'll tell you something, he was like a, like a, a OJ Simpson in that backfield. And he would hit the line and talk smack and look at you. And I'm like, this dude is just huge coming around that corner and he would hit you and he would growl. And I'm sitting there going like, I got to hit this dude. And I don't know how I'm going to hit him, but then you got the whole line. My thing was, and then when I got into basketball, my nemesis was Sly Williams. And I saw this, what was funny. They got a YouTube of that final game, my senior year of uh, Rick uh, Weaver high school uh, playing against Lee high school and I couldn't wait to play against Sly Williams again because that was my first year playing, you know, uh, organized basketball. I, you know, I had the growth spurt. And next thing you know, I'm on the basketball court trying to play, you know, unorthodox. You know, I had to learn how to, you know, shoot. You know, all I could do was rebound and block shots. And that was just the raw talent. But my nemesis just, you know, it was Sly Williams. And I know you know Sly Williams. I, I, I think till this day, I kind of want to whoop his ass. That's <laughs> still... <laughs> Oh, you <laughs> look now. You, <laughs> I hold a grudge, but but that grudge right there, it's like this, is like Sly Williams. He killed you. He had like forty-two. I'm sitting there going like that dude, man. But he had forty-two just against me. I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> this game, they just can't get the street out of you, man. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, Coop. You can, you know, you can take the kid out the hood, but you can't take the hood out the kid. And I think it's uh the game always had to compete and make sure that you know what I was one of the you know just wanted to play hard I never even realized I was in the NBA until my third year in the NBA and I'm out out in uh California dating this girl in Oakland and I'm reading the newspaper where we played the uh we played the Celtics in a in a in a six game uh series and I'm out in LA going like no out in Oakland and I'm reading the San Francisco newspaper there the local paper and I'm like why is my name out here in, in California? You know, I'm sitting there going like, Coop, that, that, that was unimaginable. We, we didn't have social media, so we had to read it in ink. So when I read that, I'm like, oh, shit, I'm in the NBA. I can't. <laughs> it was like I was just playing because I just liked competing and didn't matter if I was playing for the Bullets uh, or was I playing for the Pistons. But as, you know, as this game has evolved, it's the social media craze, so you can get instantaneous news from, from all the social media networks. <laughs> it was like, okay, it just enhanced me a little bit, having a guy like Bill Lambert, you know, a guy that I hated playing against, and a guy that I hated as a teammate at a time. So it ended up, you know, when Lambert got three-pieced by um, uh, Robert Parrish in the playoffs, I told Lambert, you got to step up for yourself, man. You can't be letting nobody just – go at you. If you don't go, if you don't step up for yourself, don't worry. I got this under control. And so, you know, the enforcer role was there. I just, my thing was you're my teammate and, and it's about protection. And Coop knows that very well. It's like, Hey, you, you mess with one, you're going to mess with all. We got to go at this because you know, we got to establish that. 
And when I looked at the playoffs now, I thought, I thought Paul Millsap at, at a crucial time in that game four where it could have been, a, you know, that game five where it could have been a sweep, his intensity of setting the tone like, hey, man, hey, we ain't going for this no more, man. We ain't going for the bully ball. And that makes it competitive because you sit there and saying these guys running with their tails up there up their butt, but yet it was the fact that, you know what, I didn't give a damn who you were. It was the Pistons versus everybody. And you know what, Rick, I, I think you hit on something right there that I, I like. Again, I don't think it's necessary. Well, in a sense, it's it being an enforcer, but it's just about not letting people get away with cheap shots and certain things. Now, take yourself, 6'9", 240, 250 back when you played. I was 6'6", 170. Millsap is what, 6'9", 220, something like that. So the size doesn't matter. I think it's just the heart and the attitude that you have to take. Because again, when you're playing people and, you know, I don't want to call myself a protector. I mean, but somebody levels one on Magic or, or, or Kareem, you, you know, hey, I, I, as little as I was, I was going to step up and say something. And again, that was perfect what you said. Millsap stepped up did what he had to do, and they won that game. And then the coach had him on the bench at the end of the game. But he had played his role to perfection to instigate something to compel this team to go on and win. You know, that's that's it. You you, you hit the nail on the head, Coop. You go, hmm, man, this dude, they, they just whooping up on us. You know, you got uh, smart uh, Marcus Morris, uh, the way that he plays. If you don't match the intensity – of the other team. And if you don't step, it's guys that play their roles. And this is how we survive in the NBA. You play a role and you, you, you enrich it. And it's like, you know what, if I got to set the tone, you know, is if you're invisible in the NBA, something's wrong because it's not the fact that you have to go out there and be a thug or whatever they, you know, play goon ball. Well, you know what, the matchups against the Lakers and the Celtics was a prime example you know, you got Lance Berger going for a shot. And you got Larry Bird trying to rip his neck off. And then they look at you and identify you as a villain. Oh, he's a thug. This is, this is not professional sports. But it's like, okay, it's establishing a tone. You got to have a tone setter. If you don't, then this team going to feel like they can get away with murder. And if you don't compete, it's not the fact that you're playing dirty basketball. It's the fact that, you know, I'm going to hit you. I'm gonna make sure you let the you know let let you know come in this lane again. I'm gonna knock you on your ass. I'm glad you said that, Rick. Because you go to Hampton, you find yourself in the NBA. You're with the Washington uh, team, and I was gonna ask you, what's the difference from you uh, being a Washington player as opposed to being a Piston player? Do you consider yourself a dirty player or a thug? <laughs> <laughs> I, I consider myself uh, Michael Cooper and, and Irie. I consider myself a professional. And the thing is about being a professional, you go out there, you take care of your business. Did I want to hurt anybody or maim anybody? No. I just wanted to make sure that come see the thing about me coming from a Division two school. Come on, Coop. They'd be looking at you like, where the hell is Hampton Institute? Is that some crazy-ass school? Oh, has he been institutionalized? No. I went to an HBCU. And let me tell you something, man. You had to fight at games. We didn't have the biggest arenas. You, you probably The most you probably seen was three, maybe 3,000 in a packed gym, depending on if you're playing a Norfolk State or if you're playing a Virginia Union or you're playing a St. Augustine or, or North Carolina A&T at that time. 
you get you going like okay the you, you got the section what do they call it 33 it was this one school called St. Paul in, in Virginia and they had this group this group of guys three three rows underneath the basket they can just stick their arms and touch you and it's going like man you say something to me again wow. I'm going to go out there and, and I'm going to slap you shut up so <laughs> it was like you know what hey I had to fight the thing is you you're not, it's not that you know you're going to be a gifted athlete you know, it's not like you can jump high and run fast, but you, you like your role. And the thing is, I enriched my role by playing. How do, how do I get an identity? So I, I, they identified me as a guy that I knew I could score. I knew I could rebound. That's the NBA. Everybody learned how to do something right. So, I mean, the thing is, you sacrifice one for the other. I got paid to play uh, if they wanted to call it thug basketball or intimidation it was a tone setting for me. It was like, okay, you know, Coop, you know, if you see my eyes and our eyes look, it's like, oh, man, if I go in there, do I want to get mm, a little touched up or do I want to sit in and take that short shot? That's no what Michael Jordan learned how to play that, 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 that short game. That's the thing about <laughs> his game. You know, he got his ass beat so much. It's like, I ain't mess with them big old thugs. <laughs> so so that, I love that, Rick. So your word was touched up. Our word, our word was make you taste that wood. Yeah, you know, just the ground. That, that, <laughs> hey, look, it was it was a point, Coop. You, oh man, you know what was fun? The playing in the playoffs and getting to the finals was something that I thought in my career I would never get with a Washington, uh, uh, as you say, ball club. But at least they did change their name from uh, the Bullets to the Wizards now, but. <laughs> Or now the football team is the Washington football team. <laughs> like, well, y'all get this shit right before anything. But it was like, you know what? You got to establish yourself and make sure you knew we had the the beef beef brothers. You had Jeff Rulin and myself. You're going like, if I go in there and mess with them, they gonna either I'm gonna deal with this punishment because I'm gonna taste the wood. And when you take that wood, don't taste good. It ain't a toothpick in your mouth. You gonna feel that in your arm, your elbow, in the side of your head. If you get a little bump and your head hits the back, you gonna be a little concussed. But that's the thing about playing professional sports. I ain't trying to hurt you. I just want to win the game. And you go like you know from from what a, a quote that I really love from a guy like Malcolm X that says, "By any means necessary." And that's that's been like okay. How do you survive? And that's how I survived in the NBA for that many years. Do you ever? Do you ever think you crossed the line ever? No, I never think I will cross. Oh, the no, line. No, no, stop lying! Stop no, lying! No, I ain't crossed the line. Hey, listen, listen. Go ahead, Coop. Because I'm gonna tell you something. When you call you call an AC Green tough guy, I'm looking at AC Green or the. <laughs> I, I would get. I would hear on you know on certain games. Oh, the mailman's delivering. I was like, he ain't delivering that shit over here. I'm about to, I'm about to send uh, uh, return to the sender. He coming here with that old bullshit. It was funny to me, Coop, because it's like, oh, he's so tough. People label him. He's always delivering. Man, I told Carl Malone first game, first time I met him, and when he got the league, I said, I got six files. All of them got your name on it. So bring it. Whatever you do, and that little damn stocking boy, he could set a pick. I could, I, I, I had mad respect for him because he would come in there and hit you, and you go like, "Damn, did he just hit me in my balls?" And I'm going like, "Now that's dirty." It's like now I got to wear a cup. Come on, Coop. We know the game, man. You know you establish yourself if you're a cheap shot artist, 
or you're going to be a guy that I know he's playing, going to play hard. And, you know, you're a defensive player player of the year. You know, you get the D, you get the six-man award. You knew what your role was. You knew what you had to do to be able to survive in the NBA. And I did it. So, thuggery, or did I, did I try to take somebody out? If you came in that lane, you're going to feel that wood. <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Sign up at FanDuel.com slash Boston. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Showtime with Coop is powered by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Oh, Rick, you, uh, again, talking about defense, and I'm glad that you uh, brought us to that point. Who are the five toughest players that you were considered Good defensive players along with yourself in the 80s. In the 80s, Rick Mahorn, Rick Mahorn, and Rick right. Mahorn. <laughs> and Rick Mahorn. Don't forget about Rick Mahorn. Hey. <laughs> Rick, I'm going to give you one name and you tell me about him. Give me a name. Yeah, give me a name. Let's Charles, play. Charles Oakley. Charles Oakley. Okay, Oakley. Listen, you got to understand, Oak is my, like, it lived in my shadow from Hampton. He went to Virginia Union, which was one of our rivals. Oak was, you know, and we're best of friends now between me and him and uh, Derek Coleman. You know, Oak is like, you know, your your was uh, Oak was like my little brother. You know, he's like the little brother that wants to and wants to be like you, but able to use going to Virginia Union, Union, knowing that he had to be competitive. And you got to love a guy like Charles Oak. But yeah, I consider him. One of the enforcers in the NBA. I gave you throw another name at you. Dan Roundfield, the late Dan Roundfield. Oh, gosh. Why you, Danny <laughs> Roundfield, man. I thought, now, see, here's the thing, Coop. Remember, I came in when Wes Unsell is my mentor, and God bless him, too. Yeah. Wes Unsell told me who, to, who I had to look at, who, who I had to worry about. Man, come on, man. I had guys like, you remember Bob Lanier? Bob oh, yeah. Lanier, he, he, you look. If you looked at his feet, Bobby Dandridge told me, don't look at his feet. He'd get mad if you look at his feet because, you know, we're curious as kids. You're going like, that man wears a size 22 shoe and his feet all twisted, but he's sitting there pointing, busting your ass. And you're going like, how can he do this? And you go, okay. Bob Lanier to me, and then he told me about uh, Luke, uh, John, the late, great Maurice Lucas. And Maurice Lucas, he said he's going to wolf at you. Then you can, you know, don't worry about him. He ain't, ain't going to scare you. But it's just the fact that you got to worry about him. And then you had a guy like Artis Gilmore, very strong. Yeah. You know, like, damn, man, I can't mess with him. And him and I are born on the same day. So it's like, man, I ain't telling this dude happy birthday. He might slap me. But he, when he picked <laughs> me up and I tried to take his position on that box, that low box on the left-hand side, he picked me up by my shoulders and moved me so he can get the spot. I ain't mess with him either. Rick, so, would you consider him one of the strongest guys you played against? Between, you know, I was blessed to play against him. 
and also that dog on uh, Shaquille O'Neal. So oh. I'm gonna tell you something. Artist Gilmore, the train, the A train was a beast, man. Yeah. He was woof. Well, Coop, man, I've sit back sometimes. That's, I guess, when I'm walking, my back hurts because I'm trying to be, keep up with these dudes but didn't want them to know that I was intimidated by them. But they, what's unsailed to me was the strongest man I ever, ever played against because I had to play against him every day in practice. Uh -huh. And I'm going to tell you, dude, six, his real height was 6'6", six, six, and like 260 solid. He looked like a, uh, a cylinder block. And you know, Coop, if he hit you, you've been hit. Oh, yeah, like, I ran into one of his screens. I ran into where, <laughs> wow. where did you think I learned that from? He was like, Ricky, just <laughs> let him go two dribbles this way and then let the guard come off you this way. And, man, I was like, damn, he was right. And he ran into me and just brace yourself. Man, that's where I learned, you know, you take something from your mentor. Remember when I would pull the chair on people? And I was like, man, that stuff became so funny. And now they still mention till this day. Oh, he pulled the chair. That's the old Rick Mahorn moving. I'm sitting there going – I learned from that. I learned that from what's on. So he taught me that a long time ago. Well, Rick, you know what? I do believe this. And the reason that you learned pulling the chair, because you wasn't going to stop anybody. So oh, you, you know what? That's, that's messed like up. That. That, that's messed up, Coop. That's messed up. You, know you, you know you as a one-armed bandit go hard <laughs> to the right and make sure you put it in his left hand because he can't dunk on your left hand. You would dunk on your ass right hand. But it was like Coop couldn't wipe his butt walking through there with his left hand if his right hand was broke. <laughs> Rick, we're at the part of my show where it's called Lightning Round. I'm going to give you some names and just give us a little bit about that person, all right? All right. First one, uh, Dave Bing. Oh, he told me, he said, I scored more points with one eye than people <laughs> with two good eyes. I love Dave Bing because he said, he talks more smack, him and Willie Norwood. I love some Dave Bing, man. He just, uh, you know, and he's right. He only had one eye playing. He, he had a bad accident, but he was, how can you, guy had, you know, vision in one eye and can score. And you knew that you're gonna get your ass busted by a guy. And I'm not saying anything against his uh, his, right. his uh, uh, disability, but it, he was able to overcome things like Abbott, who didn't, you know, a pitcher that had one arm, but that made it in the major leagues being a pitcher. So I admire guys like that, and I still love David Bing. I keep telling him I'd have hit him with a pick. He'd have got his sight. Let me stop. I was bullshitting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Michelle Obama. Ooh, don't, don't, my heart just fluttered when you said her name, man. That's a beautiful woman. I mean, uh, got a chance to meet uh, President Obama when we won that championship, Coop, with yeah, the WNBA. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. You know, it was it was nice to hear him say the name Rick Mahorn and Bill Lambeer, him being a Chicago Bulls fan. But Michelle Obama is just a beautiful, but not only that she's beautiful, she's a bright and very intelligent uh, African-American woman, and I think she does uh, positive things for women across the world where you can represent yourself and be yourself and also be proud of yourself. So uh, that she's she's a positive woman in, in my life and in my kids' life. Yeah, I've told them, I said, you shouldn't have been into the game and didn't worry about it. Stop crying. Get over it. Yeah, <laughs> Look, it was like talking to somebody, you know, you go up to, he's like, Rick Mahorn and Bill and I didn't like y'all as players, but I respect it. I said, well, Hey, I respect you as being uh, the president. So, hey, just just give us a congratulations so we can get out of here, man. <laughs> hey, Rick, ML Carr. 
for that flag waving bum. Boy, he got paid. He got paid good for being that, the, the towel waver. He was there doing the terrible towel for the Celtics more than the, them old bums Pittsburgh Steelers. Every time I see it, it's like the terrible towels. We used to run by him and sit your ass down. We ain't got time to waving a damn towel. You, you and Bill, Bill Walton, we gonna whoop y'all asses today. Get out of here with that. But you have respect for ML Carr. Hey, you gotta survive in this league somehow. Either if you're the, if you're the twelfth man, you better make some noise. Chuck Daly. <sighs> oh no! Excuse me! Excuse me! Excuse me! Daddy Rich. Oh, yeah, Daddy Rich, man. Come on, man. I got a picture in my office of him sitting, you know, talking to me, just giving me the advice between, you know, his fashion design. You know, it was fun because he never really conversated with me because it wasn't that he didn't need to, but the only thing he would always tell me every time we go to New York, Ricky, you got to get some blue shoes. I said, come on, Chuck, you know I've got game, but blue shoes, what am I going to I and I ended up getting a pair of navy blue shoes and let me, from Meslin. Whoo! Every time I throw that blue suit on, Coop, oh, you go. He goes like, "Yeah, Ricky, you got it." The blue <laughs> shoes. So, Daddy Rich, love him to death. His fashion, he's fashion forward. That hairstyle, always, as they say, he was quaffed. And that was, you know, Coop, and you know. Because you have Pat Riley with that old sweat, that slick back. Hey, hold on, hold up, Rick. Now, that, that shit was fly there, man. Riles was, he, Riles was slick back, man. Riles he's still doing it. That's Coach why, Daly's hair. That, that's when that's because that hairline was going. Coopy, he grow it in the front and let it go back in the shag in the back. Come on, Coop. That's why you got a bald head and you're mad because I still got it. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, Rick. Uh, the late, great Coach John Thompson. Oh, Big John, man. Oh, my gosh. Coop, I met him, and this was fun. I had a chance to play in – now, it's only three people back when I played that ever made uh, the East-West All-Star game back in the day. Coop, you remember that? Yeah. And yeah. it was the top seniors in the country. They only have it. No, they have it, but it's not publicized anymore because guys leave out uh, – and four with one year in college to go to the NBA. And he was like, he was like, baby boy, baby boy. Ah, uh, you know, just just get that money. Get that money. And I, every time I saw Big John, uh, man, uh, what, that, that hurt me with him and Wes Unsell dying in the same year. It was like, a, you know, a guy that was a, a mentor to be the first uh, African-American uh, coach with a – he had a team, man. I told you, he was Pat, Patrick Ewing. And being in D.C. at that time, it was just nice to see. And uh, he will always be remembered, in my mind, along with Bill Russell. That sounds cool. Showtime with Coop. we got Rick Mahorn in the house. And, Rick, I know you're real busy. you got some things going. So a couple more questions. Mm-hmm. You guys get to the playoffs, and uh, you face the Lakers in 1988. What was your – Thinking when we played y'all and you saw Magic and Isaiah kissing before the game. <laughs> hey, listen, I, I wasn't mad at him because I still, when I see my college coach till this day, we kiss each other on the cheek yeah. and I kiss my nephews on the cheek. You know, people think, you know, you show 
appreciation about yourself. You know that you really love this individual, and you don't you don't worry about all. I never got into you know judging anybody for what they do because you know I respect it. You know, we as men, especially being uh, African American men, we never show the appreciation of the love of, of each other, and that was just a bitter friendship later on, Kuba, as you know, when yeah. we played. Uh, and also, in that 88, getting to the finals, you know, we always talk about injuries. And at that time, this was the first time I ever got to the finals. And you, if you would you saw me, I started the game, but I was also, I had a ruptured disc in my back. Mm. So my whole thing was, I ain't getting surgery until after the season, because this might be the last first and the last time I ever get to the finals. So that was, uh, you know, that was inspiring. So with that being said, you know what, when, when, when you're playing against your friend and you're one of your best friends, man, I, I loved playing against my best friends because I always wanted to, you know, that was fuel for the fire for the summertime, Coop. You knew it was like, I, bu- I bust your ass. <laughs> but they but you know what, I, I'm ahead. like you on that. That uh, didn't bother me. Um, because again, when you go into war and you have, uh, I wish I would have had an opportunity to play with one of my longtime friends. I never had anybody I grew up with and made it to the NBA and got a chance to mm-hmm. play the ultimate game with them. It didn't bother me. The only reason it bothered me because it was the Detroit Pistons. That's the only reason it bothered me, you know, cause I really didn't like you guys. And, uh, and knowing that, how did the bad boy's name come about? Why couldn't you guys be called the the Detroit Hustlers or the Detroit uh, come up with a name? How do you guys Enforcers. come up with bad boys? Oh, and we now, that look, had to come you know, within the team. No, it started out Motor City Bad Boys when we were in '87 against the Eastern Conference Finals when we lost to uh, the Boston Celtics. That one pass that we had them to win that game six and bring no that game five we could have brought it back and you see the deal. But it came the, – the league came up with that. It came up with the Motor City Bad Boys. Didn't know where it came from. But then the next year it was the Detroit Bad Boys. And that kind of – that moniker just kind of stuck. And, you know, I, I keep that emblem on uh, – and, and I love it because, you know, wait a minute, let me see. I'm in my truck, so I'll make sure I let you see what I keep in my truck. I keep this old Bad Boys – Thing that somebody made me. This pillow needs some stuffing. That's that's what. That's you know. Wow. You see that, and then and then I got here's one for you, Coop. You might get get mad a little bit. My I got my bad boy bear with the orange and the bad boys, and then I got my somebody made me a bear with this, and this thing is over. Why you carry all that junk like, in the car with you, man? Why, it's in my <laughs> truck, man. I'm in my black bad boy truck. Lucky I don't get out of the car and go in the back and show you with the emblem on the back. So don't hate, Coop. Don't hate. Yeah, that's a sore you, spot for me. It is, Coop. You got to get over it because I still hate every time I go to the Lakers. You know who I hate most is your doggone announcer that's still there. Lawrence oh Tanner, God. baby, that's oh, right. I can't stand Lawrence. Every time I see him when we're playing the Lakers, we'll be right next to him. He, you know, it used to get me because when we were playing, all I heard was when when there was a score out there in Englewood, and you go like, "This dude will go worthy." And I'm sitting there like, "This mother, <laughs> this mother." And every time it was like, it was like, then he, this one, you know, James was going off. He'd go like, after he, the crowd goes or go crazy, and he'll go, 
worthy. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, ooh. Things like that would like trigger different things in me to say, boy, if I could get over there or if I could die for a ball, I'm taking his ass out. So <laughs> I, I enjoyed the competition against the Lakers because, you know, people didn't – they didn't expect a small market like Detroit to win a championship or to be there. And you remember, Coop, it was always that mysterious foul on Kareem Abdul-Jabbar that still irks me till this day. Speaking of Lawrence Tanner, the one thing I used to love to hear him uh, – hold on, all right, the one thing about Lawrence Tanner, the things I used to love to hear him say, the Laker girls. I love that. That was a symbol – that was that symbolizes – us because we brought the Laker girls out, man. We yeah, so but you know, y'all, y'all, y'all were innovators in the time. Don't get me wrong. We didn't know Detroit. We had the classy chassis. I can't even remember when it was on the court. That was the thing. <laughs> y'all, it was entertainment. You talking La La Land. You know, they all, y'all always had to try to keep one step up. Boston never had cheerleaders. It probably all looked like Bird and McHale and, and Robert <laughs> Parrish. Looking like they got the eyeballs Frankenstein. <laughs> Dennis Johnson, love you, DJ. But it was like, come on, man. Y'all ain't no cute group of dudes. Y'all could put on a suit and still look like the, the same old knuckleheads that y'all were. But they were they were some bad boys, man. Yeah. <laughs> what did you think of Coop as a player? Oh, I couldn't stand him. But, I, you know, I respected him because he, he came with it. You know, you respect guys coming into their own with their roles. And he, man, he, you knew his, he knew his energy was always going to be. Until, you know, I, I touched up Magic and got a little Byron Scott, you know, Coop had to get in that starting lineup because if they were waiting on David Rivers to carry him, they, they were in for a long time. That's why, that's why we whooped their ass 4-0 because it's like, come on, you put Coop in there. Who, you want? Who coming off the bench? Tony Campbell? Man, come on, man. He was like, it was like we took Chuck Nevin from y'all, so y'all could at least say, okay, we ain't got to put Chuck E. Cheese in there. We can put Tony Campbell and Wes Matthews. Come on, Rick, hold on. Coop, you told me to bring it, man. You told me to bring Listen, it. Listen, in 1988, we booked y'all's ass. I'm telling you, in 1989, Coop, when Coop, we came Coop. back, Rick, okay, we, would have, we would have uh, – man. You, you've I, heard a socket to them cake, haven't you, A.T.? Hey, listen. Socket to them cake. We would have socked it to them real good. But Magic listen. got hurt. Well, Byron got hurt in practice. Magic <laughs> got hurt the first two minutes of the game. We're down to nothing now. And you know what? They, they better be glad. I'm going to let you talk. Yeah, I'm going to let you talk, Rick. Cause you no, better no, be- no. You, 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 I know marijuana is legal in L.A., <laughs> but you smoke them a little bit too much. Because if you want to talk injuries in 88, you had me with a ruptured disc in my back trying to play, and, and y'all, y'all beat us 7-3. You're going to tell me – I keep telling you, Coop, I always look at that one play. Y'all, they called a, 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 this mysterious foul. And don't get me wrong, you look at it, you go like, okay, what, what, what's going on here? Uh, that They had to give it to Cap. Here's, the, here's things that you always have to think about in the NBA. It's about merchandise and trying to sell something. What? How many shirts could you sell? How many things can you sell if a team repeats? In the last repeating championship, going back to the the Celtics, they did it, and it was like, okay, the NBA looks around. How many Detroit? What Detroit stuff can we sell? 
ain't that much you're going to sell. You're going to sell a lot if you get repeat. So come on. Get out of here with that. You know what I was asking. We were going to do it anyway. Man, we was going to, listen, all of a sudden they're going to call a file, Ivory. You go like, where was that file? Hey, doggone. And you look at, here's the thing. You look at the referees and you go like, oh, hey, come, Coop, don't come with it. Worthy setting a screen. Picked up by Sally on a switch. Kareem. The old man goes up and misses the shot, but goes to the line with 14 seconds to go and a chance to give the Lakers the lead. Bill Lane Beer has fouled out of the game. Yeah, but you got to play. Come on, Coop. What, what referees you used to see? You go like, Oh, on the road, you go like, oh, we got we got Earl Strong. Okay, this is going to be fun. Well, we got, I'm fouling you know, him. We just sit here and watch it, Rick. You fouled him. Bill Lambert couldn't guard his, his, his jock strap. He fouled him. He ain't fouled no cap. I don't see I a foul there, Coop. Get out of here, man. That's a foul, man. That's a foul. That's a foul. He went up underneath him. In today's game, do you realize how many times these guys get fouled going up for a jump shot? And people coming up underneath it. Yeah, that's a foul. He went all up on him. Bill ain't gonna talk about that. The best thing he could have do is caught that that splash shot right in his face. And look at him. He's sorry. Uh, I want you to let me see it again because I wasn't on it. That's, but that's come on, come on, Coop. Look, 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 look. Look at him. He went up in him. Cool. If it would have went down, that wouldn't have been what look, look. If it went down, it would have been an and one, and y'all's ass, we'd have got y'all out of there a lot quicker. Coop, you were that. Listen, the format was three, two, three, two. We whooped y'all ass the second oh, yeah, game out there. And then y'all came, man, don't know. Coop, I told you, marijuana's legal now, so you don't have to indulge so much. Yeah, I don't even want to hear it. I love Captain Death, but it was like, okay, we can sell back to back more than we could sell the, the, the Detroit Pistons. Come on, man. We just want yeah, they just ain't want to celebrate a pretty team. They wanted the pretty boys on there. They wanted Pat Riley with the slick back head. They wanted Michael Cooper. All we can see is his eyes. Rick Mahorn. Rick Mahorn. <laughs> Rick. I love it. It was 30 years ago, and it's still to this day, oh, you know? Hey, look, look, hey listen, we, we, coach in the, we coach in the big three, and I'm going to tell you something. I love I love just looking at Mike. My, Coopy over there coaching, and I'll be sitting there looking like, it ain't that hard, Coop. It's three-on-three basketball. If you got some good players, you're going to win. If you don't, you don't. It's, it's, it's just like that. And I just started laughing at it, man, because it's so much fun, and I missed that this year, Coop. I, I miss that, that too, camaraderie, that. you know. That was um, uh, a big blow, but uh, you know, it's the one thing that um, – now, you're talking about something set up. How can Nancy Lieberman and Lisa Leslie, two women, win every year? <laughs> Rick, uh, Coop, we can't win a championship, and we don't uh, want it before. We can't uh, win uh, Hey, Coop, listen to the thing. I went undefeated. I don't care if they win. As long as they don't go undefeated, I'm good. I got the record of going through the first uh, inaugural year of the big three. I went undefeated. I went 10-0, and 0, and we went home with the championship. So, you got – you won up – do you want – yeah, you won up me because you won a CBA championship, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you won up me, and I tried – and I tried – Listen, I tried to get my CBA one when I was in there with the Rockford Lightning. 
I was so mad that they didn't want us to be. They didn't want because I came in there in a half a year, took Rockford, Rockford Lightning. They were, uh, they were like, they were, um, they were under five hundred. We're the last place team, and I took them from from worst to first in them, in, in just a half a year. Mm-hmm. And man, I, man, I was so mad that I really wanted that championship. That's when you know that you're so much a. You don't care who you coach in little league, whatever you're doing. You wanted to win because it was more, not necessarily for me, but it was more for the players. For the guys. And you know what? Them guys are like a half a step away from getting to the NBA. And I know what you mean by that, Rick, because uh, I took uh, Albuquerque Thunderbird was our first year. Mm-hmm. In our season, and we went there, and we went and played Fort Worth, whose uh, uh, companion team was uh, the Dallas Mavericks. So the championship game, they sent four, four of their players down, four of their players down. <laughs> yeah, remember the, uh, I forget the big Chinese kid they had, that 7'4 kid? Was it Yang? Yeah, it was not, it was uh, Yi. Yeah, I think it was they sent down. And you know mm-hmm. what? I had Chuck Hayes and Andreas Glenniadakis, and uh-huh. my point guard was Tony Bland. And, and we had Joe Shipp from Cal. And we went there, man, and we won that game. That, that that was an accomplishment, actually more so than when you actually played, because you got a chance. You got a chance to pass on that philosophy and teach these mm-hmm. guys how to win and what it took. So yeah, I'm one up on you, but you know what? Yeah. I did my big three. I'm gonna get my big three. Oh no, you tasted it a couple of years, but it, you know you tasted it last year a little bit. It's all right, cool. You'll get over it. At least they kept <laughs> it in the family. You know, they kept it with the, you know, which is your sparks people. So you it's all good. It's all good. We get it we'll get it this year. And shout out to my man Ice Cube for getting that started, man. That's for sure. That was a big thing there. The thing that uh you, you, you think about with Chuck Daly, he was an older coach, got his chance and opportunity to be a head coach in the NBA late, but he was able to put guys and their egos uh to the side and make everybody be accountable. And Coop, you know, being in the gym, knowing that if Magic's there, Cream's there early, then you know you got to have your ass there early. Yeah, they talk yeah. about philosophies. They talk about the the San Antonio way. They talk about the uh, they talk about this 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 culture. But shoot, back then we had everybody had a culture. It's like if you knew this guy was the last person there, and I played with a guy like Charles Barkley, and I love Charles to death, but it was, he wasn't the leader. Is the person. First one there and the last one to leave, and that's what you have to do. And Chuck Daly made it said, be responsible and accountable for yourselves. And when you do that, you'll see the improvement of your team. So the reason why he doesn't get mentioned a lot, you keep hearing guys like Popovich. You keep hearing because he won multiple championships. Phil Jackson, they won multiple championships. But here's the thing. We didn't really have, like, the best players, you know, that probably we got three guys that made it into the Hall of Fame but we really didn't have the best players. We had the best chemistry out of mm-hmm. a lot of the championships. Rick, I, I disagree a little bit. I was looking at you guys' team, man. And, I mean, Isaiah, Dumars, uh, yourself, Lambeer, uh, uh, Mark Aguirre, uh, uh, Adrian Dantley. Uh, Rodman, Sally. Sally. Yeah. I mean, Chuck did a great job of handling Dennis Rodman, a young Dennis Rodman coming in. Yeah, that was, you know, that's when you're, you know, when your team makes you accountable. You know, if we saw a worm coming in with, with some BS, we was like, man, we don't need that BS around. John, remember John Sally was always going to Arsenio Hall and 
that was his boy and all that. So it's like, look, you want to play basketball? Well, you want to sit up here and be in entertainment. Well, you want to be a comedian? Get your ass here to work. Yeah. And that's where, you know what, you, you, you're you able – what was cool about playing with Ice there is you, you were able to call him out just as much as he was able to call you out. Mm-hmm. And the competitiveness that we had as players – it started in the in uh, in the practice on the practice floor. Coop, you know good and well we have Vinny Johnson, a microwave similar to you. You were gonna go at Magic and be Scott and them and Norm and them. Yep. You were going at their ass because you wanted you wanted their time. Now it's like these guys inherit, and I'm not I ain't mad at them. They, you, I, I learned the other day from Chuck uh, not uh, Chuck D from Public Enemy. He was like. Dude, you're talking about guys that was five years removed from junior high school. And I had to go like, oh, shit. We're talking somebody that was 14 years old, still in junior high, and now he's in the NBA. And we wonder about fundamentals. fundamentals. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we wonder about, you know, the maturity. And gosh, it's, it's only it's exceptions to every rule. And I thought when LeBron James got in here at 18, uh, I thought that LeBron was just, you know, you look at him and you go, wow, this dude really worked at his craft and knew what he had to do to take it to the next level. So it's it's all about accountability from your teammates, not necessarily this 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 San Antonio way because we don't hear the San Antonio way anymore. They're right there. Y'all be good. Nothing but love. Be safe out there. Okay, Rick. Take care. Right, Thanks. All right, peace. CLNS History is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network.